0: Hello there, and welcome back to a new episode of our Breaking Bad podcast with your two hosts, one man who's never called in sick to make a beer, it's my good friend Brad Roll, So that leaves me, a man who's definitely a fan of the hardwood, it's JT.
1: (laughs) Good stuff. I've called in sick to drink a few beers, but never to actually make them myself. (laughs) I've always been tempted to start a little bit of homebrew, but I've never got around to it, so, you know, maybe it'll be a next project, who knows?
0: (laughs) Who knows? I've called in sick after drinking a few beers. Um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, but hopefully my boss isn't listening to this Not recently to be fair um, A long time ago um, Yeah I mean I've never actually brewed my own beer But let's not go on a massive tangent Like we normally do Otherwise we'll just be talking about beer all night Which isn't a bad thing So <laughs> we are back again um, We are looking at season 2 still We're on episode 5 This one's called Breakage Directed by Johan Rank, Written by Moira Wally Beckett There's a name to conjure with Again two names I don't think we've heard before 47 minute episode aired on April the 5th, 2009, in the US with 1.21 million viewers. So we've caught a sort of plateau now, I think, with the viewers.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's still remaining consistent. And um, this episode's quite interesting because it was um, around the time this episode aired that they got renewed for series three or season three, if you prefer. Um, so this is around the time they thought, all right, we have got a bit more scope and everything, because up until this point, they didn't even know season three was going to be a thing. But um, yeah, it's around the sort of airing of this, because the numbers had steadily increased and got to a reasonable level, but, um the show got renewed um, under the caveat, or condition, should I say, that the um, the viewership stayed consistent from here on in, which it does.
0: Yeah, well, it goes up, shock horror. Um, oh, good to know. Obviously, we knew it got renewed. I mean, there's another three seasons to go. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the title of this episode, Breakage, comes from a few things. A conversation between Jesse and Walter, where um, Jesse explains that the situation that Skinny Pete gets in, which we'll come to, um, was breakage. And it's also a symbolism of Walt's change into a Tuco figure, insisting that revenge be taken. And also a symbolism of Hank's mental breakdown from the post-traumatic stress disorder, stemming from his shootout with Tuco, and as well as Skyler, who's um, started smoking. So that's from the Breaking Bad wikis. So there's quite a few sort of things there, all sort of alluding to breakage.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I clocked a couple of them, like the one, let's say, bring uh, Hank sort of breakdown as a well. word, and then obviously Jesse doing his whole yo, it's called breakage, yo, and all that sort of shit. <laughs> um, I didn't, I didn't sort of um, put two and two together with um, uh, well, so I did. Obviously, Walt does obviously change one into the Tuco figure. I didn't um, um, clock that there, or the one with um. Skylar and that, but yeah, it's good to see. Like, this, obviously the titles do have quite a um, few meanings, don't they, in this show?
0: They do, yeah. They're not just random things plucked out of thin air, they do actually sort of have some bearing on the episode or things that are going on. A couple of other little tidbits from the older uh, Breaking Bad Wiki. So, also the first out of just two times in the whole series that Jesse calls Walter Walt. So he normally calls him Mr. White, but he says it very sarcastically in this episode, doesn't he?
1: He does, yeah. It's not like his normal reference, is it? Because he's like, oh yeah, Walt and all that sort of stuff. Um, like sort of taking the piss because they're still their relationship's still a little bit fuzzy at the moment. I mean, I don't know if ever fully recovers <laughs> to be honest. So relationships always <laughs> a bit dodgy. Um, just seems to be a thing Walt has with people, but yeah. Um, normally it was causing Mister White, which I always thought was like a really good touch that he just kept that going. Obviously from his school days. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Um, yeah,
0: no, the relationship has been sketchy from day one hasn't it i mean they're in a dodgy business where you can't really be best friends with the shit that they're doing and things that are going to happen to them and things that have happened to them already also um jesse tells his friends badger skinny p and older combo to apply yourselves which kind of harks back to when walt wrote apply yourself on his high school chemistry test which we talked about in that episode so it was um from Mr. White when he pulls that um thing out of that box that time and he goes back to his parents. It would appear it was Walt's writing on there.
1: Yeah, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it, it's kind of like alluded that it might be, but it's good to have it sort of confirmed, isn't it, sometimes?
0: Yeah, exactly. And again, credit to the older uh, Breaking Bad wiki there. I didn't notice those or put two and two together for any of those things. So, yeah, thanks to the guys and gals over there who do the cool stuff that they stick on the wiki. Most of it's pretty interesting, to be honest.
1: Yeah, it's good stuff. And um, we get the debut of uh, Jane, played by Kristen Ritter, in this episode as well. I didn't realise she came into it this soon, but she certainly does. And this was her first um, proper adult role. She'd done a few other things like in you know, her sort of teenage years and that, and um, a few kind of, not rom-coms, I remember her being in a show called The Bee in Apartment 23. I never watched it, I just remember it being advertised. Um, but this was her first kind of serious sort of adult role, which led to her also um, getting a job as Jessica Jones, really, because the contract for Breaking Bad went over to Netflix um, fairly soon, sort of after this series, and I think because of the contract and the communications, is one of the reasons she was put forward to play Jessica Jones when Netflix were doing their Marvel shows.
0: Uh, interesting. I really liked the first season of Jessica Jones. I thought she was great. I thought old David Tennant was great, um, and I never went back to watch any more. I, I, I Is there three seasons? I, I never watched any more after the first season. I don't know why.
1: I can't remember. I do remember that this is back when Netflix used to make like decent shows as well. Like their Daredevil um and Jessica Jones and stuff, they were really good and they're being brought back now. Now that Disney you've got those shows, they're still gonna be R-rated, but they're continuing on now. So she'll be back playing Jessica Jones soon. I do remember liking the first series. I can't remember watching the second one. I swear I did, because I think I watched all of their all of those sort of shows because there was Luke Cage as well, and then there's that fucking dreadful iron fist. That's the only one that was actually <laughs> shit out of a lot of them. Um, but quite interestingly, in recent years, I think it was last year it came out, she did a movie called Love and Death, which also stars Aaron Paul. I've um, got that on my radar to sort of try and watch at some point, if I can find it on any of the sites. I don't know where I might find it. It might be out there somewhere. But um, yeah, it should be quite interesting. So it's like a kind of sci-fi thriller from what I've seen of it. Oh,
0: interesting. Yeah, let me know if you do find it. And, um Maybe we'll do it for a movie review. We'll bring that podcast back, which we threatened to a few weeks back. We will do it at some point, but we digress. Um, shall we have a look at this episode then, Bread Roll? Absolutely. Okie okay, dokie. Okay. So as always, before we start, a big shout out to Dan Parkinson for the opening theme tune. Uh, DanParkinsonMusic.com is where you can find him. His podcast is called Stage Fright, which comes out every Friday. Although last week it was notably absent, so I'm not sure what happened there. But I'm sure he'll be back pretty soon. Um, yeah, so check him out, Dan Parkinson, uh, the most talented man that I know, apart from yourself, roll. Right, <laughs> I don't <like> that. so... <laughs> the one-line synopsis from the Breaking Bad wiki for this one, it was actually two lines, three sentences. Um, tensions in Bill's Mount at the White House. Hank suffers from his encounter with Tuco, and Jesse assembles a crew. Now, where it says at the White House there, it doesn't mean where the president lives, it means Walter White House, <laughs> or the White Family House. Um, so this one is another one, that goes full circle, isn't it? It opens with the ending, which will make sense when we go through the episode. Um, but we don't see the pink bear again, so that's disappeared for this week.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, I don't know. It's kind of annoying me the way that it's not consistent with someone like... Because like I said, last on last week's episode, um, obviously the whole thing with the bear and everything, I wish they kind of kept that consistent throughout the show. It just kind of cropped up in the first episode, vanished for a couple. Then they brought it back and said, oh, yeah, don't forget about this, that we're trying to be mysterious about... And this just starts with one of those kind of like, um, like I say, those sort of intros that kind of happen at the end of the episode, so to speak. And they're all right. I know some people like them. They sort of like add to a bit of like, oh, so going to happen here? How is this, you know, what's going to occur? and Maybe like build a little bit of um, intrigue in the episode. But I'm not a fan of them, as I've mentioned before. These kind of starting at the end and then going back. But it is, um, to be fair, it is actually done pretty well because it starts off with these two illegals, I assume, like crossing the river, coming into America and stuff or wherever, and one of them sort of kicks something and they pick up and it's the old, um, it's Tuco's grill, isn't it? And that sort of thing that they made Hank.
0: It is indeed. Yeah. Um, it is strange, like you say there, the way they sort of chop and change the intros. Um, I would say maybe it's the, the episodes that Vince Gilligan writes where we see the bear and whatever, but he didn't write last week's and the bear was in it. So I'm not really sure that. In fact, I think he's only written the intro for the first episode of this season. I don't think he's written one since, has he?
1: No, I don't think, yeah, I haven't actually been paying that much attention when they come up, but I don't (laughs) think so, so don't quote me on it.
0: (laughs) No, anyway, like I say, the intro is quite good, if a little bit strange, the way we're chopping and changing those, we'll see if the bear's back next week, who knows, I can't remember, we'll find out. Um, So yeah, we see the two guys, as you say there, they find Tuco's grill, then it cuts to Walt, um, sort of having his chemo, and it it starts off in slow-mo and you see all the the tubes and shit and the, the drips and that. And then it goes into a time lapse of, of Walt just sitting there, and then it zooms in on his face. And it's, it's a strange sort of scene, isn't it? We get slow motion and then sort of sped up time lapse. It's just a bit weird.
1: Yeah, apparently that's supposed to be symbolic of how Walt feels like his time is running out. Like he just feels like he's like sat in a chair on chemo and he's just watching everyone else. It's supposed to be kind of like their lives are progressing, even though they're all kind of in the same situation as his. At the moment, he's kind of spinning his wheels. His sort of drug empire isn't quite going the way he wanted it to. And it's just supposed to be a bit of symbolism for, like, how he's kind of, like, stuck at the moment with what direction and how to kind of progress what he wants to do with the time he's got.
0: Okay. And that makes that makes sense, actually. So, yeah, a little bit of symbolism kind of, uh, yeah, makes sense. And then he's seen his consultant again. We've seen him a couple of times. And he's, he basically says it's going well. You finish round one and everything. We're on track, you know. Everything we, we thought would happen has happened, and your hair will start growing back as well, which Walt doesn't seem too happy about.
1: He does. and I mean, it's a bit of a classic look, isn't it, the Heisenberg look? And I do like the little bit, bit of Banner. He goes, oh, I'm quite liking the whole cue ball look. And then the Doctor's like, well, I prefer to call it the streamlined one and stuff. So <laughs> Fair play. But, yeah, it's 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 weird, is it? Because i like, seen Brighton Cranston in like loads of roles like before this and after this, and he's always had hair. But because this character's so iconic, just with the bald head and the goatee and everything like that... Um, it's weird when you see the flashbacks and the scenes where he does actually have hair in this in this show.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously we've, we've seen those episodes um, but he didn't have hair for that long really, did he, before he shaved it off. Um, and the old uh, consultant mentions the fugue state or the confusion, says it hasn't seemed to return. Obviously we know Walt was bullshitting but the consultant doesn't know that.
1: No, it doesn't. And obviously I think Walt was kind of like, oh good, I'm not going to be sort of like probed on this. Obviously we find out a bit later Skyler's still obviously a bit pissed off about the whole thing and um one thing that sort of like maybe chuckle as he goes out into the um obviously the foyer or whatever and he's getting his bill from the woman and i know this the show's like fairly old now but she's printing out on this like old school printer it's that square paper with the fucking dotted sort of sides and everything i remember that shit from fucking way back when and i was thinking christ how fucking out of date is this bloody hospital with this fucking bill that he's got
0: Yeah, I know. I mean, we've talked about that on some of our movie podcasts when we've seen these old printers. I never used to get them to work. They'd always jam up on about the second page. And I've actually got that note here myself. I mean, his bill takes about fucking two hours to print as well. Um, But yeah, it's so old school, isn't it? Then she gives him a badge, like a hope badge, which he then promptly walks out and chucks into the bin straight away.
1: Yeah. And then he fucking, he gets back, so he's got his bills because he's like, oh, yeah, I thought there was a discount for cash. And she goes, yeah, that's been included. So it's obviously a lot more expensive than he thought. He gets back home and Scarlett's on the blower talking about the bill. And then, so he goes into his, um. this is this fucking, well, it's like, I think it's at night time he's doing it. He takes his two bills in because she's like, oh, is, do you think it would be of the Elliot and Gretchen or cover? Because she thinks that they're paying for it. Uh, which Walt didn't take him up on the offer, and he's like, "Yeah, yeah, I'll get it sorted." And he fucking he pulls the grate off the wall, and he's getting all his cash out, It's wrapped in fucking you know tape and all that sort of shit. And it's just in the baby's room with these two bills, like anyone could just walk in at any minute to do something or get something, and he's just there on the floor with all this cash. How would he explain that shit away if fucking Skyler walked in? She's already a moody mare as it is.
0: There's a couple of bits in this episode. Um, there's another bit a bit later on where I'm thinking, how did he get away with that? What did he tell Skyler? Obviously, this one didn't have to tell her anything she's obviously I'm assuming asleep so it does look like it's night but again he's not particularly uh, sort of inconspicuous when he's there he's clattering about a little bit there's also just a, a kind of a, a one-liner here just before he does go to this vent. he asks um, Skyler if she's been around anyone who's smoking um, she's like no and then deflects it to something else so he's obviously noticing the smell and he does find the cigarettes in a minute as well doesn't he?
1: And he does because he's throwing up, and this actually brings me. Um, something I've always noticed about this show like, obviously, we know all directors have their kind of signatures, as such. And obviously, um, Vince Gilligan has a couple the way he likes to do things, but he loves this particular shot. Um, and he does it, it happens like it's been happening in, in the previous episodes. I've never really brought it up, but it's very noticeable here. And going forward, he uses it so many times. Like, Walt's throwing up in the toilet, and then he notices it's clogged, he flushes it, and it doesn't go, so he gets the plunger out. And he loves doing this shot of like the inside of like a bowl or like looking up at someone who's doing something. So you kind of got the camera under the water and you see the plunger coming towards it. He loves that sort of shot. And when they get into the lab and everything, there's always loads of shots when they're cooking, like from inside the vat where they're leaning over and doing stuff. And I swear there's when people are cooking, you'll see like the eggs being cracked on the screen as if the camera's like looking up at them and stuff. And it's like, he just seems to love that shot. And it happens so often. And once you notice it, You'll notice he does it quite a lot, if you haven't already.
0: You know what? I haven't noticed it, but subconsciously, now you've said that, yeah, definitely, and I'm going to look out for that, um, for sure. But obviously, that he finds the cigarettes. Well, at first, there's sort of some tobacco floats up. Then he finds the cigarette packet. So straight away, he's like, what the fuck's going on here? And he will question her about it in a minute. But then we said last week we hadn't seen Hank but he's back in this one, and he's just sat there staring a bit uneasily at Tuco's grill, isn't he? At his desk.
1: He is, yeah, and it is good to see you hang. Just before that, they're like, who the fuck flushes a pack of cigarettes down the I toilet? Know. Like, what a fucking what? moron. But I know Americans, they got those kind of waste disposal things. Like, why don't you put it down there in your main sink? Who the fuck flushes it down the box?
0: I thought exactly the same thing. I was like, of all the places, even if you just chucked them in in the garbage if you want to be American, the trash. You know, j- hit him at the bottom of the bin, anywhere. Why the fucking toilet? It's a bit strange. Obviously, Walt had to find them, so they had to do something a bit stupid, but, I mean, Skylar isn't particularly stupid, is she? But there we go, she does that. But you're right, I thought the same thing, Brett From
1: Yeah, but anyway, back to, <laughs> to your to your point there, like, obviously, Hank's getting promoted now, isn't he? And now he's going to split his time between, um, obviously, where he's at now and then a bit more, sort of, um, uh, cartel country. Um which obviously Marie's not too happy about later on. Um, But we also get the mention as well, like he's he's saying to his boss, um, the person who plays his boss actually plays a character called Jury in Sons of Anarchy, which is one of my favourite shows for anyone who cares about that sort of thing. But um, he mentions that the name Heisenberg's still going around the street and the blue sky keeps popping up. So they're still kind of aware of it and semi on the case, aren't they? It's just not obviously um, as big as it will be, so to speak.
0: Yeah, they are. Um, I like the way his boss says, how's, um, how's Tuco? And Hank's like, he's still dead. And they have a bit of a chuckle <laughs> about that. Um, but yeah, the old Heisenberg thing comes up. And it's um, El Paso, isn't it? He's going to be splitting his time between Albuquerque and El Paso. And then the, his boss sort of gives him the promotion, everything as you said there. He goes into the lift. And he has a fucking panic attack. Like, go me in another guy. I don't know if we ever get the other guy's name. Apologies if we have, not I've missed it. They're like, oh yeah, we'll, we'll go to lunch and you're buying because Hank's just had his promotion. So they fuck off in front of Hank. He gets in the lift and he has a panic attack and it's quite well filmed. You know, it makes you do it does make you feel a bit claustrophobic and you can kind of feel what he's he's going through. I've had panic attacks before and they're not nice, but he comes around pretty quick from it. Like he, he gets to the bottom of the lift and he walks out and he sort of just walks off with Gomi and this other guy like nothing's happened. And panic attacks don't normally come and go that quick, but they come come on quickly. Don't normally go that quickly.
1: No, they don't. And I do like this scene because um, it gives you a bit more insight into Hank. Because, like you say, he's normally like the big sort of loud mouth, swinging dick type guy. And he's full of bravado, but he obviously doesn't like showing his insecurities or anything. And the way he kind of follows him out of his office and like a few people are walking by, like saying, Oh, yeah, congratulations on your promotion, shaking his hand and stuff. And he's just there, big grin on his face, gets in the elevator. And like you say, the door's shut. Suddenly he just goes into this fucking panic attack and the sort of camera effects really good. Then, like you say, magically he composes himself, walks out, and he's back to being all bravado with Gomez and the spare. Um, but yeah, I just like that kind of insight in the show and that, you know, there's, you know, there is that insecurity within Hank that we haven't really sort of seen that much of yet.
0: No, we haven't. Um, obviously Walt Jr. has questioned him a few times about the shooting, and he's not wanting to talk about it, and Walt will we'll question him again a little bit later on. Um, so yeah, we can kind of see he doesn't want to talk about it, but at first he didn't really know how much it was affecting him and it does really mess him up and what goes down in El Paso will mess him up even more and then shit happens to Hank he gets a really good character development doesn't he, throughout the whole thing um, but we'll come to Hank obviously when we when we see him more because we love Hank but now we do meet old Clovis again Jesse's gone back to him and to be fair, Clovis is like you've got some fucking balls showing your face around here a bit fucking uh, total recall that, it. But I, was I was going to say, that's
1: yeah nervous cool. <laughs> no, well, isn't it?
0: <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, the first thing, though, I thought was a uh, total recall, an old Hank. <laughs> um, but, yeah, uh, to be fair to him, Jesse's come back and he wants to give Clovis the money and some extra for the damage he caused to the, the gate, the toilet and everything. But the real reason he wants to come back is he wants to store the RV there, doesn't he? But he wants access to it at any time he wants. So Clovis sort of, I think it's $500 a week, he says, he's going to charge him. So Jesse chucks in some cash. And they do that deal, don't they?
1: Yeah, and fair play to Jesse here. Like he does pay his debts, like I say he has got another agenda because he needs someone who's kind of on the level that he can store his RV there and he sort of negotiates a bit. And I think he is, he says like 500 up front month by month, isn't it? To the store it there with gate privileges. So he works out. Um we sort of get we sort of follow Jesse for a little while now, don't we? Like sort of settling his debts, he's sorting a few bits out and then he goes looking um for his flat. And I've always thought this flat or apartment, whatever you want to call it, American style. It's actually, pretty cool. Like, I've lived in places a lot smaller than that. Um, but it's actually quite a cool layout for a flat, and I've always thought it's quite uh swanky. And of course, he's quite uh, this is where we meet Jane as well. Kristen Ritter is his landlady, as it were.
0: It is, yeah, I've, I've always liked it as well. It's bigger than the place I live in now, I believe. My flat, um, yeah, and it's nice and open plan and everything. Um, and one thing I did think was quite a good touch is when he's uh, with Clovis, I didn't notice it later on when he meets Jane in a minute, but certainly when he's with Clovis. He still got the blue all around his fingernails and everything, so a good bit of continuity there because these things quite often get missed, don't they?
1: Yeah, that's really good as well. And that stuff will probably be a bastard to wash out. I'm not saying yeah. that Jesse hasn't had a shower because he has changed his clothes. If nothing else, he's still dressed <laughs> up like he's in the fucking Antarctic. But I'll stop singing that song one day. Um But yeah, that's that's really cool. I didn't spot it myself, but that's really cool that they they obviously went on with that.
0: Yeah, I, I just thought that I didn't notice it when he's talking to Jane. And, and speaking of Jane. Although she's only in it for a few episodes, spoiler alert for people who don't know, I'm sure you do. Um, she is an absolutely pivotal character, certainly to this, and again to Walt's downfall and turn into an absolute arsehole, isn't she?
1: She is, yeah. And this the whole thing with her is pretty much what breaks Jesse, isn't it? Really? Um I know Jesse's yeah. a fucking plonker, but um, <laughs> what happens with her? Obviously, a few episodes, time, and everything. Like you say, she's not in it much, but she is such a kind of like I say, pivot was a great word. It's such a breaking point. Again, a bit more breakage between what happens with Walt and Jesse. That whole act is basically Jesse's downward spiral, and he just basically becomes a complete mopey little shit basically afterwards. But you can't really blame <laughs> him. And then when he finds out the truth, obviously later on, I think he finds out the truth, doesn't he? He already suspects he at does. least. Obviously, and he doesn't have a good journey from here on in, does he? He pretty much just gets, like, shit-canned all the way through the rest of the fucking series.
0: He does. I mean, Jane as well, she gives in pretty easily. Jesse, you know, she says, as all landlords would, well, I want some paychecks from you. I want previous, like, rent stuff, you know, um, references or whatever. He's like, oh, yo, you know, I haven't really got all that, but I'm good for the cash, man, and sort of flutters well, his eyelids a bit. I mean normally I'm not being sexist here, it's the women who flutter their eyelids and the men go all fucking wet, but it seems to be the other way around here. She's like, oh, okay, and they they cut a deal. She does put the rent up a hundred dollars a month, I think it is, but she does give in pretty easily. Maybe, you know, it's Aaron Paul's good looks, who knows? But he wins her over fairly fucking easily.
1: Well, We said it before, he's the only meth head with uh pearly white, isn't he? So maybe she um has got a soft spot for that and me, Yeah, she does give in, but i imagine she's pocketing the extra hundred dollars for herself, and obviously will just uh pass the asked for rent on to her dad because he's obviously the man in charge, isn't he? But um, I do like there's a bit when she's like, What's your name, Jesse? Last name, Jackson, and she just stops, just goes, Really, Jesse Jackson? I just like her reaction to it.
0: <laughs> he's quite good, she's a good deadpan character, actually. Um, um well, obviously the uh, stories we go on, it's not very long as I said earlier, she's quite short lived unfortunately Um now we cut back to old uh, Hank and he's brewing his shrouder brow his bro- a brow, <laughs> sorry, and his fucking song he sings hes brewing. it's brilliant isn't it
1: oh that's good, I, I do like the scenery, he's like just doing all that, and then like the garage door opens really slowly, Marie stood there like I don't know, just being Marie. I mean, Marie is a bit of a pain in the ass. I know she's not as annoying as Skylar, but she is the equivalent of Skylar in the Schrader household, isn't she? She's always fucking giving him a hard time in that. But Yeah, she sort of comes in. And again, I was thinking like Jesse's flat's nice, but Hank's garage is probably bigger than some of the places I've lived as well. It's fucking huge.
0: <laughs> it is massive. And what we've said before in probably this, and certainly in our movie podcast, American houses are just fucking massive. I mean, sometimes these people live in what's supposed to be like a a shit tip or a small apartment and it's fucking massive but there we go I mean everything's bigger in America as we know but yeah I know what you mean about Marie she's quite annoying now I'm watching this and analyzing it a bit more I always had a bit of a soft spot for her um and I still do in that respect but you can see why Skylar is a dick around Walt because he's been a dick to her but Hank really isn't a dick he's just like you say the big swinging dick bravado man but He loves Marie. He never really does anything to hurt her. I mean, she's pissed off he's phoned in sick. He just got his promotion. She's like, oh, you phoned in sick to brew some beer. So I can understand why she thinks it's a bit strange. But she always seems to be on his case, doesn't she?
1: Yeah, she does. And I know the table's turn a little bit later on after Hank, obviously, he gets injured. And he's a bit of a dick to her throughout his recovery and stuff. But I'm not excusing it or anything like that. But obviously, he's been through a lot of trauma and stuff. So you can kind of understand why he's not himself. But yeah, up at this point, anyway, but he's always, like, really nice to her, and he? Obviously, like you say, he worships her and all that sort of stuff, and he sort of helps her out when she goes fucking shoplifting. But just always seems to be fucking nagging. And then I do, like, again, we're obviously a bit more sort of Hank behind closed doors as well. Like, Marie buggers off to wherever it is Marie goes. And Hank, he's still, like, putting his – um, he's obviously stopping the beer bottles, isn't he? And then one of them cracks and everything that just shows that he's just suddenly just completely lost his composure again.
0: It does. Yeah, he's putting the lids on, isn't he, with the pressure, and it, it cracks. And he slices his hand – and he seems pretty casual about it. That would fucking hurt. For a start, It's bloody sharp glass and also the beer would have probably gone in there. That was stung like a bitch. But he's pretty casual about it. He just sort of goes, uh, and wraps it up. And I'm thinking, fuck me, I've been screwing my fucking tits off. Maybe I'm just a wimp. I don't know.
1: Yeah, yeah, I would be as well. I'm a fucking, I, I don't know. It's as soon as like, like when you're doing the washing up and anything, like a knife just sort of slits across your finger, I'm just like fucking out out. Like I've just been shot, but calm down shortly after. But fair play, Hank's a big man. And then, um, We obviously cut to Walt and Jesse and this is where Jesse's actually trying to, he's not manipulating Walt, but he's kind of a bit more, he's kind of coming into his own a bit in this episode. Like he's, you know, almost realizing his own worth in the partnership, a bit like Rodney with Dale sometimes as if Jesse actually manages to pull it off. Um, He sort of comes up with the business plan, doesn't he? And he's like, you know, why don't we just be our own kind of bosses and everything instead of like cutting out, you know, cut out the middleman and we'll just do our own thing, start our own business. And Walt does actually stop and consider it, doesn't he?
0: He does. This is where he actually calls um, Mr. White Walt for the first time. And apparently he does say it again in a later episode. Um, but yeah, uh, Jesse really does turn Walt around here. I mean, he he's the boss and he says, you need me more than I need you to Walt, which isn't true. But Walt does kind of buy it, doesn't he? Although one thing I do think, which is quite cool, Walt says, oh, we don't want to get involved with another homicidal uh, lunatic. Obviously, going back to 2 but that doesn't quite work out because they're going to get into a, well, conjunction with an even more homicidal lunatic fairly soon.
1: Yeah, they are. I'm not being funny, Walt's kind of like getting that sort of tag himself, isn't he? He's a bit homicidal and he's slowly becoming a bit of a lunatic. So he's kind of like sort of giving himself some shade there, really. But yeah, they sort of go along with it and it is pretty good. I always still like this. um, Obviously, Jesse knows at this point that Walt's got cancer. And every time Walt goes into like a coffin fit, Jesse always looks genuinely concerned, doesn't he? No matter what they're arguing about or what's going on at the time, he always just stops, kind of gives that sort of concerned look. Um, Obviously, with Walt with the cancer.
0: He does. And also something here that Walt says, I don't think he's ever conceded that Jesse's been right at any point so far, but he does actually say, yeah, okay, I concede, or "I, I admit I've been on a bit of a learning curve so far. So he actually opens up and admits to Jesse that he's made mistakes and he didn't know what he's doing, then he probably still doesn't.
1: Yeah. Yeah, which is, like I say, it's quite a big turning point as well, which is good. And then we cut back to Jesse's flat, and this is where his hardcore crew come in, because he's been saying, well, yeah, I'll put a crew together, we'll run the streets and stuff. And we get, obviously, (laughs) the most fucking, you know, reliable people you'll ever see in your life. We get skinny Pete, combo, and... um. Uh, and Badger, they all sort of turn up. And speaking of combo, I'd forgotten what his name was, but I just recently finished watching This Is England again and old fucking combo in there played by Stephen Graham. I was like, Christ's got two combos on the go now.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> good old combo. <laughs> but yeah, we hadn't seen combo for a while, have we? We've seen um, Badger a couple of times. I think Skinny P might have popped up. Combo, he doesn't come to a good ending for anyone who doesn't know, but I won't give too much away. Um and all they want to do straight away when they get in there is like cook up or whatever don't they or start smoking meth and just like no james already said basically no fucking drugs or anything in the place so he's like no he's got some like pepsi and some pretzels i don't think that's what they were expecting when they came around were they
1: i, I love that i mean I, just, I gotta say um this actually reminds me of when you moved into one of your flats years ago we went around your house and all you had in the fridge was one lonesome baby bell Jesse's there in this fucking completely empty flat, but just on this empty kitchen, he's just got one bowl of pretzels and it fucking reminded me of that straight away. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Bloody hell, I think I vaguely remember that. I, I obviously remember that we got a fair bit of alcohol and, um, yeah, probably don't remember much else after that. But <laughs> yeah, it's quite funny though. Um, Jesse's basically cooking up the steel, to coin a phrase. And he says that, you know, you'll be on the streets, you'll be deeding it. I think he wants two and a half grand grand an ounce, doesn't he? And he's going to take two grand off that and they can have the 500, I guess. But Jesse, like, obviously these guys aren't particularly intimidating or anything, but he's got them in line, is not he? He's like, if you fuck me over, you're gone. If you cut it, you're gone. If you lose any money, you're gone or whatever. So, you know, straight away, he's making out he's the boss or he is the boss for them. And, you know, they're up for it as well. They're not, like, giving any kickback or anything, are they?
1: Yeah, we said like a few episodes ago. Like they seem to think that Jesse's like a lot, like really smart. Like almost like how Jesse views Mr. White or Walt, well, whatever you want to call him. um From that perspective, they kind of view Jesse like that. They think he's a lot smarter than he is. And Jesse does take his lead from Walt because the way Walt kind of admonishes him is like, "You don't smoke our product and all this sort of shit. We gonna do this. We do it right." He kind of takes that and then does it again, but to his crew, doesn't he? Like talks down to them to keep them in line and. He does pull it off pretty well, because they're all like, like you say, they're all on board, they want to get money and all that sort of stuff, or fat stacks, as they like to call it. Um, So he's trying to run his little kingpin operation with his pretzels and his Pepsi.
0: (laughs) He is. Um, And then we get a cut Walt and uh, the whole family Walt Sky and Walt Junior, they've all gone to Hank's. Um, We get a little scene there, and this is where Marie basically saying she's not too happy about Hank going to El Paso. She wants him to go to DC. I think there must be a job going there, and she's you know, looked at DC and says it looks really nice and everything. Although from what I know, it's one of the most violent cities in America, probably not as bad as El Paso. That's obviously not in America, but um, yeah, she's going on about that. And then she mentions, um, you know, the the cartels over there, they, they use human heads as like a fucking calling card and stuff. And we're going to see that in a few episodes time, aren't we?
1: We are. Old Danny Trejo, bit of an iconic scene Mm -hmm. that I mean, sort of turns up, but one thing I've got to say, I mean, obviously they're having a barbecue, which is all well and good. Love a barbecue. I sort of said before, like, I really like Hank's house, but it just seems to be in the middle of nowhere. And their garden is just like in the desert. They're just surrounded by like cacti on this random patio. And I'm like, is that someone's garden or is it just there for everyone in the neighbourhood to use? They just literally just sat in the middle of fucking nowhere with barbecue on the go. Uh,
0: I guess it probably is his garden. Um, I don't know. We, we see his house a few times. We'll have to look out for that in future episodes, Bread Rock, well, because I didn't really clock that in, in this one. We do get a reconciliation here between Skylar and Marie at last. I mean, they'd sort of been working together to help find Walt that time and it looked like things were getting patched up, but Skylar finally asks her to apologise, and eventually she does. Skylar kind of almost starts to break down in front of her and just says I want my sister back, and after a a couple of, well it's not minutes, it seemed quite a long time Marie does eventually apologise so they seem to have reconciled now
1: They do, yeah, and I suppose it's good to sort of get them back on board, but yeah, Scarlett does it in her own kind of Skylar way. She's like, shut up, stop talking. You need to apologise and all that <laughs> sort of stuff. And it's like, fucking hell. I'm glad she's not my sister or <laughs> glad I don't even know her in general. But then we cut back to the garden. You've got like Flynn, as he likes to be called now. Whoa, and Hank's there. And Hank's almost got his own Heisenberg hat at the moment. It doesn't fit his head at all. It's like just resting on the top of his head. But it looks way too high to be like his actual hat. But he's kind of like doing like barbecue Hank Heisenberg or something. I just thought it was quite funny.
0: Yeah, it is, isn't it? I mean, this is where old uh, Flynn, Walt Jr., as you say, whatever you want to call him, he asked Hank about the shooting again, and Hank's just like, oh know he doesn't want to talk about it, and then Walt just sort of turns around and says, why do you think these people are like it? And Hank's like, what do you mean? He's like, what makes the criminals the way they are? He's obviously trying to get an insight, isn't he? Because he knows he's a fucking criminal
1: yeah yeah i quite like that and then he's like saying oh, i was about like he starts doing like cockroaches and all that sort of stuff doesn't he and he's like what'd you do if you see a cockroach you stand on it and stuff and gives this kind of analogy and everything and then we cut to a montage of um obviously pinkman's crew if you want to call them that the pinkies i suppose um out and about <laughs> doing their drugs and old skinny p gets held up and the woman who holds him up that's not iggy pop is it it looks a bit like her just a bit uh... more manky it's got to be a different one
0: though no, it's not Iggy Pop. I do like these montages, and we get some funky fucking sax music playing while it's going on, don't <laughs> we? We um, do,
1: no. apparently.
0: It's called Peanut Vendor by Alvin Red Tyler. That song, but there's some good old saxophones going on there. But yeah, Skinny P gets stuck up. The woman comes running back, and says, "Oh, it's the cops! It's the cops!" and runs into this pretty shitty looking. Don't even know what it is if it's their house or whatever. Then a guy comes out and sticks them up. And is is that the couple that? Jesse goes to their place later on and shit happens to them. Is that the same couple?
1: Yeah, that's I knew I recognised themselves. So I was trying to think, is it Iggy? It's not, is it? It's the ones like say with the vendor machine a bit later on that um goes yeah. a bit tits up. Um yeah, you're right, they do obviously reappear a couple of times. But oh skinny Pete, he's not really putting that much of a fight, is he? I mean, I don't know in that sort of situation. I wouldn't ever want to be in that situation and you wouldn't ever trust a crackhead anyway. But they don't look particularly threatening, do they? I'd imagine Pete could have just knocked the knife out of his hand and twat him or run for it or something, but I don't know. Probably best to yeah. err on the side of caution in those situations.
0: I would say so. I mean, luckily I've never been in that situation. Touch word, I never will. Um, but these people—they're going to be unpredictable, aren't they? I mean, yeah, he's got—he's got a knife, and neither of them look particularly intimidating. But they're off their tits. They're, they're so unpredictable. You don't know what they're going to fucking do. So it's probably best just to think, shit, have the fucking stuff and go, which he does. So then Jesse meets Walt, give him his half, fifteen grand. And Walt properly kicks off about it when Jesse says, "I was breakage, you know, Skinny P." Well, he doesn't mention names, does he? Although, no, it, no, it's Badger who Walt's met in the hospital that time, isn't it? But anyway, so don't think he's ever met Skinny P yet. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I know like Walt wants every fucking penny he can get, but he probably kicks off at just losing the ground. He's already got 15, and which Jesse says to him, "Well, fucking hell, yesterday you didn't have this, now you got 15 grand." But Jesse in the end, gets so fucking pissed off with of Walt ranting and raving, he just chucks another grand at him and says, yeah, i have my fucking grand then, doesn't he?
1: He does, yeah, and this is a bit of foreshadow. I don't know if it's intentional, because he might not have thought this far ahead yet, but a similar thing happens much later on when they're running their own empire um, and Mike's sort of telling him about, like, he's got to split the money between all the people that are doing this, that and the other, and um, Walt's kicking off again, isn't he? That he's like, well, why should I pay them out of my half? And Jesse just like, oh, fuck it, take it out of mine, just to shut him up at the end of the day, but yeah, he definitely is all about the money. And maybe it's, again, it's one of those subtle things that Walt is still on his journey to becoming just like Tuco and that, even though he wouldn't admit it, because Tuco wouldn't let a grand slide, would he? He'd fucking start being tight, 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 shoving chili up their ass and doing all kinds of fucking stuff, I'd imagine. But um, it's obviously just shows that kind of like greediness and that kind of like unrelenting side of Walt. He's just blinded by the money, isn't he? He sees green and that's all he's interested in.
0: Yeah, I mean, you mentioned in Tuco there, are quite right, because Walt even says, doesn't he, Tuco wouldn't have fucking let that go. He wouldn't have put up with it. So that's when Jesse just, oh, for fuck's sake, and just chucks a grand at him and says, yeah, I've of my money then. So then <laughs> Walt gets home and he has a go at Skylar for eating a panini because um, there's sodium in it. So, I mean, we've seen Skylar being a dick to Walt a few times, but I guess he's worried about the baby or whatever. He, that's why he says it. And then he does question her about the cigarette. So she does come clean, doesn't she?
1: She does, yeah. And this is strange because I thought at the start of this episode, like when he comes in, you know, going back to the start, and she's on the phone to the um the doctors and they're talking about it. I'm like, oh, they just suddenly see him on talking terms again. And although obviously he finds the cigarettes, all the scenes they've been in together so far, they seem somewhat amicable, um, for lack of a better term. And until now, this is where they just go back to obviously completely hating each other. Because like I say, he kicks off about the fucking Panini. I'd be more upset if there wasn't one for me. I'm, you know, that's what I'd be concerned about. And then he starts going on about the cigarettes and she sort of makes the point, doesn't she? It's like, I only had three and a half. And the emphasis on that is that kind of like, is that the show that like she really does feel guilty about smoking or she's just obviously just playing the numbers because she knows that's what Walt's like sometimes. Um, But she seems to be very kind of specific It was three and a half that I smoked.
0: Yeah, I thought that's a bit weird, isn't it? Three and a half. I mean, obviously, she just gave up halfway through, and maybe that was the guilt. And she that's, She said she felt guilty. Um, walk. Um, by the way, um, yeah, I mean, she does say when he comes in, there's there's another panini for you if you want it. So there was one there. Ah, oh, the fair. Oh, um,
1: What's he <laughs> kicking off but, about then? I'll, I'll be happy. With
0: <laughs> he also does kick off because he says, "Where's um Walt Junior?" And she says, "Oh, he's out with Lewis. Uh, where are they? I don't know." And he's like, "What do you mean you don't know? You don't know where your son is or anything?" So he's kicking off at her about that. I mean. Walt Jr. is old enough now and his mate to surely be, be on their own and not really sort of watching them 24-7. But there we go. Um, Skyler does say something quite funny here, actually. She has a go- comeback at Walt, doesn't she? She's like, oh, maybe I just smoked them in a fugue state, which I thought was quite a funny comeback.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was a good comeback. And it kind of, like, shuts um, Walt up for, like, a minute or two, doesn't it? Um, but, yeah, we have seen um, Flynn or Walt Jr., out and about at night before obviously because he got obviously picked up by the cops that time wasn't he, when he was outside the quickie mart and stuff so he has obviously been out late at night on his own and so i don't know why what's being all funny about it now but then we get a scene and i i kind of remembered it but i couldn't remember how it all came about like Back at Hank's house, and I like, hear like gunshots and stuff, and it's like quite tense because he obviously gets up, he's got his pistol, he's obviously checking the house, check those corners, as a pone would say. <laughs> and he goes around and then he goes into his garage, and it's all his fucking beer bottles just popping, isn't it? I thought that was quite good.
0: Yeah, it's a good scene that, like I say, it's quite tense, isn't it? He nearly shoots fucking Marie as well. She <laughs> comes into the other garage, well, the garage door through the house, I'm assuming, and he's in there and he, he points a gun at her, then he realizes, oh shit. Then the, he sees the beer and that blowing up, but um, yeah, it is quite a tense scene. That definitely,
1: yeah, it's just it's, it's shot really well. And like you say, it's all built up to be like you know, is it the cartel coming in? Is something going on? Because obviously we know Hank's worried about it and stuff. But it's a good kind of like um, false alarm, so to speak. And then we cut to Walt. He turns up at Jesse's house randomly. But if I could, this is a typical Walt, is it? I like, fucking hates it when Jesse comes to his house. He kicks off and starts you know going mad. But he's alright just to turn up at Jesse's house at any point. And he's, ah, like, oh, this is how we're going to handle it. he gives him his gun back, doesn't he? Which again is like another step towards that kind of dirty drug dealer thing. It's like, well, we'll just, you know, fight fire with fire and go out on the streets with guns to protect our drugs, pretty much.
0: Yeah. This is the other thing, though, where I said, how does Walt get away with it with Skylar? Obviously, he's in the vent that time getting the money out earlier on, but she was probably asleep. So where is she now? Because obviously, he disappeared that time. Where's he said he's going to her? Is she asleep? We don't obviously see what he said to her, but. He's obviously sneaked off to Jesse's.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. And I imagine Cheever just doesn't care. or He said, I'm going to go for a drive and see if I can find Flynn or something. That might be a good excuse. I mean, I don't even know if it even shows what time it's supposed to be, obviously late at night. But yeah, it's a good point, actually.
0: I'm assuming Jesse's also told him where he lives because it's a new place and <laughs> only just moved in there. So he must have told him where he lives because he wouldn't have just randomly found it. But yeah, like I say, he gives him the gun and says, this is how we're going to handle it. Um, which will come into play later on. And then we just get a sort of short ending here. Hank just fucking chucks Tuco's grill into the river, which is how the episode ends, and goes full circle to how it started, with it being found.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's a bit of a, just a sort of quiet ending, really. And again, this is not one of those episodes. It's a bit of a, it's good. I mean, it's better than last week's episode, in my opinion, anyway. I think there's more happened in this that of consequence. That sets up a lot of stuff. Um, Whether it felt like that when you were watching it back in the day for the first time, who knows? Um, But yeah, I think it's a much better episode, and it's a very kind of transactional one as well. Like it's setting up a lot of things. Obviously, we've seen that insight to Hank and his like um, almost like PTSD that he's got, his panic attacks. We're seeing a bit more of the relationship structure. Walt taking a step to becoming a bit more of a ruthless kingpin. Jesse kind of settling his affairs and trying to sort of set himself up proper. And that it's a good episode. I really like this one.
0: Yeah, Definitely, there is a lot going on when you analyze it. Um, just with the title there and all the things that breakage kind of alludes to, and also as we said, we meet Jane, who's an absolute pivotal character. Um, we're going to see more of her, but not for much longer, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, which is a shame cause I'm quite fond of old uh, Ritter to be honest. Um, I've seen her in a few things and quite enjoy her work. I'm looking forward to if she does come back to play Jessica Jones, that might be one of the few things on Disney Plus I tune in to watch, but um, who knows? I'll probably not by Then probably just be bored of it, <laughs> but who knows?
0: <laughs> who knows, indeed, Red Royal. So, yeah, not a bad episode, all in all. Um, and Hank was obviously back, and uh, that's always a good thing,
1: absolutely. Yeah, I always love to see a little bit of Hank, and um, <laughs> for all you. Ha- Well, you like Hank fans out there, let us know um, what you think of this particular episode if you're a fan of it and how it compares and what it's setting up for the rest of the series as we know what's coming roughly uh, ahead of us and that. Um, So yeah, get in touch at the usual places at the Hyperbaric Goats on X or Hyperbaric underscore Goats on Instagram. And don't forget to share us with your friends if you have any. We don't, so you need to share it for us. Um, Then join us next week uh, when we come back for the other one.
0: Indeedy, yeah. Um... I haven't posted on X for ages, actually, Breadroll. My bad. Um, But I don't think people miss us over there. So, uh, yeah, maybe I will put something on there this week.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, he may, he may not, but you know, you can all just do us a favor and follow us anyway. You never know, it might get us a bit of traction. But no, I appreciate you all tuning in and um, going on this journey with us. And this is Breadroll signing off.
0: And from EJT, I've just got one last thing to say 3D tatters right in your face.